welcome to RSVP Music Chat. I'm John Sinkovich. And I'm Ralston Bowles. And as always, we're back chatting about West Michigan's music scene. And sort of this today we're going to have a special guest because we had a person, a listener, who decided to leave us a voicemail message uh, asking a question about uh, the music scene. And one of the things has to do with booking. Uh, Paul Lind was the listener. Okay. And, uh, and he wanted to know a little bit about uh, why it is that uh, certain bands get booked and how the whole booking process works. So let's listen to a little bit of what he has to say, and uh, we'll go from there. Hi, Ralston and John. This is Paul Lind, and I have a question. Can you tell me how, and you can um, confine this to the local scene if you want the local music scene, but um, how does a band or an artist get booked into a venue? Does the artist reach out to the venue? Does the venue approach the artist? Is there a booking agent involved? I guess uh, after seeing so many shows over the years, I'm, I'm just curious how that happens. And I'd appreciate a little inside information. And if you want to uh, expand that to national touring acts also, um, I'm curious why a band crossing the country picks a certain city bypasses another one and uh anything you have to share would be great thanks very much and he's going to take that call offline <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> well it's all of the above there paul i think or there's a little bit of everything that you mentioned that is considered i mean venues get approached by artists by booking agents agents approach approach uh, venues uh sometimes uh, even Bands will go around the agent and go right to the venue itself and and pigeonhole the guy in the in the parking lot. And say, how come you're not booking me and my? Uh, I'll give you five hundred dollars if you book our band or something. Uh, maybe that doesn't. Happen. Scott's here. With yeah. Us. So Scott, what do you think? Scott Hammontree, general manager of the Intersection, is with us, and uh, the Intersection is a national nationally recognized venue here, right in Grand Rapids, and of course books a lot of national acts as well as well as local and regional acts. So uh, so how do you guys book your most of your acts? Yeah, I guess we'll start with, with nationals. So every national act that we have traditionally is booked by an agent, and there's you know 15 or 20 major agencies out there. So at our level, at the intersections level, you know, because of some of the hard work on previous talent buyers, it's it's well known. It's kind of a sought out spot. So those agents are going to send you know emails to every buyer in the market that they want to tour. So they they're probably sending me an email for Grand Rapids and Josh for Detroit and so-and-so for Chicago and Madison and, and Cincinnati. And they're sending them to all the other venues around here that would be comparable to you, right? Yeah, correct. I mean, the, traditionally they're targeting, like say they're targeting 1,000-cap rooms, you know, GA, or they're targeting 2,500-cap rooms. So you're talking about the size, the size of the venues. Yeah. yeah. General admission is the GA for those who are interested. Yeah. So those agents are sending us communication asking us for holds. So every every agent will place holds on a calendar for, you know, in some cases it's two days, in some cases it's it's a month of holds on your calendar for dates that they might want to target your venue to perform in. So from that point, they may or may not give us some offer parameters. They say, hey, you know, I have clutch. I need a $30 ticket. I need this much for catering. These are the support bands. Send us your best offer. And sometimes it's a little more detailed than that. And, you know, we need this much or we need that right. much. So from that point, it's kind of up, up to our team here at the intersection to kind of whittle through Okay, what is this band doing? Is it relevant on radio? If it is, what station? Does it have a current song? Does it have any history in the market? We come to put all that stuff in a pot and kind of figure out, yeah, we can sell 
you know, $1,520 tickets at this point. Uh, and at that point, we would make an offer. Uh, for, for regional stuff, a lot of times they do have agents. Sometimes we get direct communication from the bands, especially Chicago bands. They'll hit us up. I mean, it's kind of organic that Chicago grows to Grand Rapids, that grows to Detroit, stuff like that. Um, locals, they bombard us uh, in every way possible. Emails, Facebook, Twitter, stop-ins, right. press kits, you name it. So how we determine how we determine which bands we use on a local level, it's really, you know, does it fit musically? Has it played here before? Are we are we confident in the band that they're going to go out and, and help us promote the show? Uh Good dudes, <laughs> just easy to work with, professional, that kind of stuff. But so, so, do the, so do the national acts, a lot of them ask for a local opener, or do you look at the band that's coming through and say, I, we think this deserves a local opener? Every single offer that I send out for a national band has a little clause in it that says one local band must be approved, or sometimes I say one to two. Now, that being said, that they often don't get approved, or they often come back to us and say, you got to take that clause out, but... Uh, most of the cases, what seems to be a big trend right now is is we're not getting a lot of support slots for a lot of our stuff. They're coming with full packages. They've already as, got people on their tour. Yeah, they have three or four band bill, and they don't they don't want to add another artist to the bill. Is that because these bands that are opening, and this is something I've heard, is will be their management will pay to put them on that bill, or the label will be wanting to showcase them because they're on the same label, and so they put them out as kind of a teaser. Um, I'm not sure how much that happens. I haven't heard a lot of a, of a lot of the buy-on concept where some of the some of the baby bands are buying on tours, and that really does that does you know, happen. I think that does happen. Yeah, I'm almost positive that happens. I've never been involved in it, so I, I couldn't tell you. But traditionally, you know, if an agent has a, a large band, they're going to want to put two or three other bands that are probably on their label or fit better musically or whatever their reasoning may be. But we do we do try on almost every show to get locals, and sometimes it's hey, I have. I have hell yeah, and, and go ahead and put three locals on it. But just make sure we approve them. You know, sometimes it's as simple as that. How do they approve them from you? We would take whatever we can find on the band and and submit like Facebook page, website, music. Keep it simple. Oh, okay. You know, and then they're traditionally the agent or the manager would take a peek at it and approve it. So if a local band has been sort of buying to do something like that, what's their best method for? You know, making sure your website's updated with music, with uh, your Facebook pages. Uh, you know what I mean? I mean, a lot of bands just don't do a good job of necessarily updating sure what they've a got. Contact email or phone number for sure. Yeah, it's funny that you asked that because we had a we had a booking open house here. I think it was around two months ago. We opened up the front, the stash, and like 122 people showed up from different bands trying to figure out how you get booked. And it's crazy to to us because we'll get an enormous amount of Facebook messages from bands and it's just I don't know how you guys operate it, but my world emails king so right. like send us professional email tell us about your band tell us why you would fit on that show give us you know give us some shows that you've played who you've played with and and have a website or any site for that matter that has a couple songs that somebody can listen to maybe a video if possible and Ralston you are correct about contact because some of these bands don't they don't even have contacts out there so I have to call so and so that I know knows so and so to find out how to get all that band. By that time, the window's closing, you had to have had the materials out. Yeah, no, and I get it. Like, I understand it's difficult because a lot of bands are, you know, they they have day jobs, they're doing other stuff, but the real basic principle is just, you know, have a website, basic contact information. Have, we, some, have somebody checking that frequently, you know. Are we getting... Are we, we're not going to make you in trouble for letting some of this information out. There's no. not like some sort of cartel. 
Nah, I no, don't think so. It's run by the folks. That are, okay, <laughs> no. We're going to break his knees now. Well, he's telling us trade secrets. You know, it's interesting you say that, though, because you guys are looking for bands that fit a certain genre or a certain style to mash up mesh up with the band that's coming in. And a lot of bands try to get cutesy on their Facebook pages. They don't even describe what they're... They don't like to describe what their music is like. They no. want people to decide for themselves. But I've told bands quite often, I say, you really got to let people know more specifically who you sound like or or at least give people a general idea as to the kind of music you play because that's when somebody looks at your site they want to know yeah no that's a great point because if i can go to their website or their facebook page and i see like stuff they like or stuff they they, they, they determine they sound right. like it just speeds everything up yeah and uh you know we get 300 emails a day it's like as, as little time as we can spend finding somebody or finding out information, it just makes everybody's job easier. Well, how is it that, that you, I mean, do you, do you look at the band then? Say, say you were having a, a group come in like Clutch. Would you want another band that sounded like Clutch on that bill? That's up to their band and, or their manager and their agent, really. I mean, or do you, I mean, like say there's a female, some, some male vocalist like uh, will, will come and they don't want to have another male artist on the bill with them. Oh, yeah. They will look for just female opening acts. I've had experiences where that I've been told, get a local, but can't be female fronted and guitar only, you know, right. or sometimes you're given some pretty strict parameters. I'd say that that varies by genre. Mm-hmm. You know, some genres are more specific about what they do want and what they don't want. But for the in electronic world, particularly, they, they want to make sure that you know the act maybe it can play the same kind of music but it can't be as hype as the headline right they don't want the room going crazy before they come out so don't which makes water. sense don't they want, want it warmed don't they want, want the room it. warmed up which is really what those support bands should do is warm but clearly if you're coming to a metal show or you're coming to an edm show you expect to get that more of that along those lines of music to warm you up until the, the big headliner comes on stage that generally is the way it works i'm assuming but but the thing i i've seen with some bands is they get really cute describing their music as you know lollipop cats you know or something which you don't have no any idea what that means yeah. you know and, and if they don't have a, an easy way to listen to their music on their facebook page or online it's it, I've got t- I don't have time to keep listening. I got to move on, you know. Sure. Is, there, is K-pop making its way across here? <clears throat> I haven't had any holds on it yet, but I'm I'm definitely hearing rumbling. So yeah, we shall see. I was gonna say in some cases, if it's a certain genre that maybe we don't do, you know, an absolute ton of, and I can't find a band, there's a great great community with like Joey at Founders and Nicole at Pyramid Scheme that I'll just shoot them a note and be like, hey, you know, we're looking for a support band for for this act, and do you have anybody that's done really well for you or you know, you know that's going to work their butt off to promote the show and help us out. Let's so there, that about, community does exist, Talk a little bit too. about that. What, what, is, what do you expect from the artists that are coming in? I mean, a, a national act has national exposure, so you're expecting that they're, they're going to talk, they're going to list the intersection in all their major ads and things like that and talk about you Yeah. in the same way. But you're not, like, sending them tickets to say, okay, you sell 500 tickets. No. <laughs> no, that's, uh, that's, a, that's an interesting topic and maybe one one on its own so at a national level there's real there's real information that you can get on what a band has done touring oh, around the country right. I mean there's pol- anybody can go look on Polestar if you have a back office Polestar you can really see the numbers if they've played in a room in Madison and they reported that to Polestar I can tell you exactly how many people they did so it's easy to to look at those numbers and know that they're real and sometimes with some with some local stuff you know yeah well we packed out Billy's well it's hard for me to, to see that all the time so in some cases, uh, the manager or the agent will ask us point blank, like, are they going to mean real hard tickets for the show? I mean, 
And I don't blame them. You know, they're investing in the tour. We've obviously invested in the building. So, yeah, there's some cases where, hey, man, you know, do you think you can help us push 70 to 100 tickets? And just be honest with us. Tell us if you can or you can't. If you can't and you don't want to do that, that's cool. We'll, you know, Have you ever we'll, pulled a band because they didn't deliver that? No, we don't ever do that. We don't ever pull a band because of, they told us they could sell 100 and they sold 20. So how, how, one of the questions that Paul also had was, why do some touring acts, they're cutting across the country, and I know there's a lot about routing that gets involved, but why do some bands play here and other bands skip Grand Rapids? Or, or how does that happen in terms of Chicago versus Detroit versus Grand Rapids versus maybe, you know, I don't know, Dayton or Indianapolis or sure. something? I think, you know, in some genres, the the market is defined by are they getting radio play there do they have a strong single at the alternative or the rock station or the so country? radio still is relevant yeah radio is definitely relevant like b93 for our, some of our country acts if it's for country if yeah. it's getting support or maybe they're releasing a record and they're hoping that b93 supports and it kind of just ties in together they're going to tour around there in some cases i think some of that stuff i keep saying organically kind of grew that way where they always they did well in chicago and madison and minneapolis and they're going to keep going back there it's funny, we're booking a different venue in, in Fort Wayne, Indiana right now, and I'm having to like reconnect and try to put that spot on the map. And it's just different because at the intersection, you know, I'm just fielding, I'm sifting through all these avails and bands to find out, you know, which ones we're going to move forward on, which ones we're not versus, versus selling a new market, really, to a band that right. has traditionally not played there. So in some cases... You know, you have to reach out to the agents and managers and be like, hey, I don't know if you know this or not, but, you know, I've had 38 requests for us to try to book this band. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. It's frustrating to me that sometimes, as you said, John, I see bands that tour the same rooms, the same markets. They alternate fall and, <laughs> and winter, and then they fill in their summer festival, and I, I can't get them. So you do actually so, reach out to some bands to see if you can get them here. Yeah, I was going to say that this process of working with this new venue, it's kind of rekindled that like no we can be aggressive on stuff and and go after certain acts that definitely have skipped us i probably should be honest with you spend more time doing that uh, and i'm starting the new year with with kind of that mindset some of the stuff that's kind of always just passed us by i would i would love to see at playground rapids grand rapids is obviously it's growing leaps and bounds the economy's doing well so this, do they rate markets in the same way they like rate radio stations in, in certain places is it, this is like an a market a b market kind of a thing i think traditionally grand rapids has always been a secondary all the major you know detroit chicago because there were Cincy. times you would never see some of the bands that have played the arena yeah through this town yeah but then you got okay all of a sudden now um you know tom petty opened this tour here at one point sure you know different folks will come through here and look at this as being a place to kick things off i think you're going to see that more often as as word gets out about grand rapids i don't know how many different pieces of press i've seen and the economy the housing the beer market whatever it might be i think you're slow you're slowly going to see that change so do you do you book a band with the idea of getting that buzz and to say okay we are we are a serious market we want to make the name for what we are again or like you're doing in Fort Wayne, are you looking at saying, this is what's going to make people think this is a serious thing because we've got this act? Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily know that I approach a show like, you know, I want to make, I want to show them how serious Grand Rapids is or how viable it is. In some cases, yes, on that new stuff that I'm chasing, uh, it takes some hand-holding. Like, look, I really think you're going to sell 1,400 tickets. This is going to be a great room for you. So it definitely does take some convincing. But, you know, I always say it's it's a show-by-show show basis here. It'll never change. It's it's really about, you know, can that show be profitable? Is that show going to make money? Is it not? That being said, do we invest in bands? 
like knowing that the buzz isn't there yet, but man, we think it's going to be in a while. Yes. So and that might, comes back to you? Oh yeah. yeah. Traditionally that does come back to us. Take a, take an artist like, you know, Bass Nectar. I booked Bass Nectar in the stash. Uh, really through the advice of the agent and, and like two kids I knew sold out the stash so the next show I got I put it in the showroom sold out the next sh- five shows in Grand Rapids have been at the Delta Plex now agents aren't always that loyal bigger promoters get involved right. you know they start buying up tours and uh, I'm not always we don't always get the consideration but it does work but generally speaking I, I do think there's some kind of respect from agents that, you know, if you're in on a band early and, and, tr- and trying to work them, then... And Greta Van Fleet, another good example, a band that's played here several times and then finally did their headlining show at the Stash, sold that out with no problem, and then sold out, you know, the main showroom in 21 minutes or whatever, which yeah. is now already becoming legendary. Yeah. So, so you know, it's, it, that's great to see, and I think they regard Grand Rapids as kind of the place where they cut their teeth because that's where they got a bigger audience. I mean, I don't know how many places there are to play in Frankenmuth, but... Sure. Yeah. No, it was funny when they pulled in. I I, I had called my my production manager. I'm like, "Be sure everything's okay. Everything's good." And they were said, "No, they were they were waiting for this show in Grand Rapids. This was one that they had circled on their calendar because the intersection does definitely has some reputation of being like it's just one of those places. Once you once you get to a certain level, if you pack out that room, it's generally a good sign that you know some some good things are going to happen for you. So now with them, it was kind of a no brainer, but it was still fun to watch. So for, for a local band, though, and I've seen this on several shows, they're having a CD release show. They have three or four bands playing on the bill. How does that generally work? Do they actually book the venue and you charge them rental, or is it for st- the stash, for instance? Yeah, no, I think uh, it's funny. I just had a conversation with my office staff about, about running some advertisement to local bands and letting them know that what we offer for CD release parties, really in any of the two rooms that we have, as well as the two that we're going to have, are are really pretty fair so it's it's a minimal charge to cover sound guy a couple security guys and then really they they get the bulk of what they make so if they go out and bust bust tail and sell three four hundred tickets they're gonna have a nice little payday we let them set the bills uh, they tell us they give us everything really it's really it's it's a glorified rental yeah well, and, but they would, they would set the ticket price potentially, right? Or do you help yeah, them with that? Yeah, we help them with that. Okay. We try to lead them down the right path, give them the best chance. Do they get a percentage business. of the bar sales too? No. No. Nope. <laughs> no, no major touring acts, to my knowledge, get a percentage of concessions. Get, you, don't get a, you don't get a percentage of the, of the merch either. We never charge for locals. Never, we never take a per- merch percentage from locals. Nope. Now, are there bands that or artists that, you, that you've come across you go, man, these guys really... Could use a shake a little bit more attention i would like to get them in. I, i've got this one band that's coming in i think they would be perfect for do you go you go to bat for artists that you know of and so you can sort of local artists bridge? yeah yeah definitely uh there there's been some over the years that that have obviously showed us that hey man we're serious about this we want to promote hard they're professional and they walk in they want to expand they want to play outside of grand rapids Definitely. I mean, we've done some stuff for Whalen, trying to get them an attention in other markets. And I know, I know, Josh at Live Nation has tried helping them. There's just certain acts that, hey man, when they show us that they're serious about this, and 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 they're gonna put as many butts in their building as you can, well, you, you obviously want to help them. But yeah, I've sent information on a variety of acts that I've just thought, man, this is really good. I want to get this to an agent and let them at least take a peek at it. And I've got call, I've got called on different acts. And, and they're pretty receptive to your. 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, it just depends on what they have on their plate at the time, you know. So following up on our last podcast where we talked about tribute acts and how those have kind of taken off over the last few years, I mean, there's a lot of tribute shows and tribute acts that seem to be doing really well. And obviously the ticket prices are more reasonable. People can come and see and feel their their uh their favorite uh, music and favorite bands or whatever uh, we got a voice uh, message from nick thomas who does a lot of those he's done bob dylan he's done that did a part of a tom petty tribute the other day let's listen to what nick had to say about tribute acts hey guys it's uh nicholas james thomasma um i host the annual tribute to bob dylan at founders brewing company each and every year and uh and i've been a part of a lot of different tribute shows uh, over the years, and I play in a cover band called the FBC All-Stars, um, which is a, a band of all Founders employees, and we started as just playing at Founders Fest, uh, all covers, and now we've kind of expanded to do uh, more events, and we put a lot of work into it, and so we continue to do it, and there is a lot of demand for cover bands, and we get paid pretty well for that. You know, the best part about it is you get to learn these songs by you know some of the greatest songs of all time and uh, I think in a lot of ways it, it can really be spurred on by when somebody dies but it doesn't have to be the simple thing is it's great music that's why people play it when somebody asks me if I want to play some some great music I say yes it's pretty much as simple as that we'll see you at the 11th annual Bob Dylan tribute later this year in May what's your view on tribute acts and, and how do you guys view those in terms of the way you book the rooms here well, I think in some cases, it's not unlike how we would approach a national act. And, and if we're sensing that it's really popular, we're obviously going to take a, a closer look at it. Sometimes I have, you know, an empty Friday two months down the road. I know I'm not going to fill. If it's really good content, we want to go for it. I'd rather have something going on than not. So I think it uh, it definitely seems to be more prevalent in, in really all major venues. I look at a lot of the House of Blues right. schedules, and there'll be three or four tribute shows a month. I mean, we kind of do some of that with the mega 80s that we do once a month, which is kind of a tribute all night long. The Save by the 90s that we do. Yeah, the Led Zeppelin tributes come through. Yeah. But for, for us, our, usually our weekends are pretty stacked, so I don't I don't really want to throw a tribute on a Tuesday night. It just doesn't seem to show that people are going to come out for it every time. So, And it seems to be... It seems to be what other what other markets are doing as well. Now, how, I don't I don't mind doing them. I like doing them. How do you see tribute? At, how would you see a tribute night? Do you see it? Because we were kind of delineated between the two types of things. There's the there's the band that will roll in and give you the experience. Yeah. So like, they come out. They they they. Like, I don't know. Was it the Prince thing? Yeah. Where you just you kind of like sure. try to create this thing so that if you were like. Have a really blurry vision at the top. <laughs> you, they would look You'd like be the going, band. God, Prince is still here. It must look like Led Zeppelin. Yeah, or Led Zeppelin or whatever, whoever it is. <clears throat> or is it an evening of a variety of people bringing their own uh, interpretation, if you will, yeah. to it with a series of those songs of that artist? I think that version probably works better in other venues than it would be for here. here. Yeah. I think if I'm putting up that I have an ACDC tribute band, they want to hear. Yeah, one band do ACDC all night long. Yeah, with uh, the lights and the smoke. Yeah, the lights and the smoke and the whole bit. So what we found is we've we've kind of paired some of those up together. I did a, a Van Halen and an ACDC and I can't Bon Jovi night, <laughs> which was really we did a it did over a thousand people. Um, if you can group them together like that, mm-hmm. same genre, same kind of feel, I think that makes sense. But I think the nights you're describing where different artists or different bands bring a different representation of say Tom Petty. I think that would be cool to see, like a Founders or something. Yeah, like smaller venue, yeah. more intimate maybe. Yeah. Are there certain 
artists at previously in the music world or genres that you have not seen that you think might make it or do you even put your mind in that you're I always yeah like, I don't really put my mind in that world I guess <laughs> yeah you're more like what, what's working right now I then I'll put it in yeah I mean the intersection is kind of always lean towards you know it's, we have a younger core audience than I would say some of the venues in town and that's fine I think that's how the how the club got started to begin with so for us it's just trying to pay attention to to what's relevant in every single genre um, and that's usually dictated to us by the younger by the younger kid well years ago at this place that was on the other side of town, there was this guy named Eris who oh, yeah. ran this rock search. <laughs> hey, Eris. Hey, Eris, if you're so, listening. Have you ever thought of reintroducing something? Is, is there a place for that kind of discovering the talent again locally? I don't uh, think there is, but I think there should be. Um, you know, take, it, take for example, our heavyweight battle of the bands that we used to do. We did that event, I think, for right. 15 years. Yeah, I judged it a few times. Yeah, uh, definitely found some bands that then went out and toured and played a little bit around Michigan and around the country. Um, I think that I've had I've had the thought in my head several times of, of recreating something like that, multi-genre. Right. Not maybe not one genre. Right. Um, but if you look back in the day when some of that stuff was successful, I'm just talking about Grand Rapids, uh, Eris's event, and then our our heavyweight, KOQ heavyweights. It was radio-driven, and, and Eris had his own platform. Right. So... It really worked because radio stations were playing it and supporting it. I mean, shit, I remember back in the late 90s, you could go to Sluggo's in Grand Valley oh, yeah. at Tuesday Night Music Club and sure. see, like, Botfly and Daddy Long Legs and Domestic Problems yeah. and Troll for Trow. Uh, and those, those would be packed. And, yeah. uh, but at the same time, GRD was playing them. I mean, Untitled by Domestic Problems was, like, the number three song that year for that station. Maybe not number three. But it was be, they were they were spinning it, and I just think that that whole world has changed so much. Yeah. How do you how do you translate that? I mean, how does that transfer into? into and cities, each city. I mean, Lansing would have their own version of something like this. Detroit had something like yep. this, right? So yeah. Chicago. Somewhere down the line, we will probably pull something like that together. What do you think, Ralston? I think it'd be worth exploring. I do. Yeah. Maybe what, in our, uh, maybe in our new space downstairs. Yeah, there you go. Sure. How long are we? Uh, we're we're about so ready much. to wrap up, but yeah, there's a yeah. lot of fun well, stuff going on here. Thank you so much. Yeah, we will come back. Thank you so much, Scott, for taking the time. This is a very intriguing conversation. I think a lot of people will be very fascinated to hear some of the things that you had to say about the way things work in the music world. And uh, those are the kinds of things I think that are interesting for, all, for the general public, too. Yeah, so. I hope we, we hope we didn't mess you up with the mafia or anybody that <laughs> I think I'll be safe. I do, I do know some security guys. So. Okay. <laughs> and, and if anybody wants to leave a message via SpeakPipe, as Nick Thomas did and uh, Paul oh, Lynn, please yeah, do. Yeah. Let okay. us know. Give us a question, a topic, issue. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you very much. Thanks. We'll see you next time. All right, see you.